Hi everyone! Welcome back to the Marketer Pitch Podcast. Uh, this summer, we're taking some time off in between seasons one and two, and we're doing a little intermission series. This is what we like to call our freestyle series. It's unfiltered, unlimited, and uncensored. If you guys haven't already, please go back and listen to episode one. Uh, it was all about Juneteenth. Yasin uh, and I went back and forth on just our topics and just how the industry is doing. Uh, with race and how industry, how the industry is doing with diversity a year after the unfortunate killing of George Floyd in 2020 and the race riots that followed right after. Um, but more importantly, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, this episode is all about LGBT. It's all about Pride Month. Um, yes, it's July, but we can talk about Pride all year round. It doesn't have to be one month out of the year. Uh, it could be 12 months of that out of the year. So we're going to spend this episode, we have a few topics, hot topics, especially that came up in the last two or three weeks, uh, Yesenia and I are going to go back and forth on. Um, but more, before I get into that, Yesenia, welcome. Tell our listeners what's up. Hello, Corey. Hello, fellow listeners. Welcome to episode two of Marketer Pitch Freestyle Unlimited, Unfiltered, Uncensored. We are so excited to be back here with you all and to have another hearty conversation of a particular topic that both Corey and I were definitely going to be offering our two cents on with a market or marketing and PR spin. Uh, for those uh, who missed episode one uh, topic Juneteenth, uh, it is now available live exclusively on YouTube and Spotify. So go and catch that. And also don't forget if you haven't done it, like share, comment, subscribe, uh, and also offer your comments and thoughts on not only on this episode, but the previous one at marketerpitch at gmail.com. And finally, Marketer Pitch is live on Twitter and Instagram. So follow us. We definitely want to hear from you. Yes. Yeah, so those Twitter uh, handles are uh, for Instagram and tw- uh, Twitter is at marketerpitch. So please follow us, comment or yell at us if you guys disagree with anything that we say. In uh, these topics, like I said, this freestyle series, they're unfiltered, they're uncensored, and they're hot topics. So uh, are you ready to get started? I am ready to get started, uh, Corey. Uh, before uh, we do, I just want to, you know, again, offer everybody that uh, episode two will be centered on the LGBTQ uh plus uh obviously pride month occurred last month but just like you mentioned in your intro Corey, pride month should occur 24 7 uh it should not be a a one month a celebration it should be a, it should be year round and again my friend i'm very much looking forward to have having this conversation with you so let's get started yeah um so i'm just gonna throw out topics and just come come in on uh to me the, the hot topic coming out of uh, Pride Month is the coming out of Carl Nassib. I believe it's Carl Nassib, uh, who is a linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders. He made an Instagram post about the end of June announcing that, yes, he's, uh, he's not only see gay, but he's comfortable with himself. He's comfortable telling his teammates. Um, and then he also donated $100,000 to the Trevor Project. Because one thing which I think is very important to, to note in his, in his message were he says he doesn't think that, you know, coming out should be a thing. But right now, he thinks as for, for the youth, especially for LGBTQ plus 
uh, they need visibility and then they see people like them in, in industries and in sports that necessarily doesn't uh, have a large uh, range of people to look to look to look out for. So he donated one hundred thousand dollars to the Trevor Project, which uh, does help promote um, and prevent suicides among LGBTQ youth. Um, but I definitely think that the message of him coming out was done perfectly. It it was on his own terms. It was good. Uh, I don't know. I, I I thought this was very interesting to come out during the Pride Month and in the NFL. Overall, the community in the NFL is very different with Carl coming out in 2021 versus with this thing just reminding me off off air, uh, Michael Sam com- coming on 2014. Very different. Oh, oh yeah, no doubt about it, uh, Corey. We definitely, um, excuse me, are seeing a changing of the times. Uh, you know, with how uh, people are coming out. Um, especially more in the you know in the public uh, spectrum of regardless of industry sector. So first and foremost, applaud um, a major round of applause to Carl Nassib for you know taking that next step and you know revealing his true self. You know I personally feel that ed- ed- every anybody has the right to live the life the way that they want to and live it to their best true self form. So props to him for you know you know, for setting the standard and, you know, for, for him to be happy with his life the way that he wants to live it. And also, I want to also give props to the Las Vegas Raiders, you know, his teammates who, you know, who stepped up to the plate and support him from the moment he came out. Um, it was It's really wonderful to see, you know, the camaraderie, you know, uh, between teammates and as well as, you know, the team in general. And also, I, I also want to give props to the NFL, uh, you know, for also, uh, you know, coming out uh, directly uh, after uh, Nasib came out with their own uh, statement of support, uh, you know, for this and, and and Corey, I think it's it's kind of you know the conversation, you know, as to you know how public figures are coming out more and more, uh, you know, announcing their truths. Um, I I think it's a great thing because as society continues to evolve, many people are becoming much more better educated, you know, with LGBTQ plus issues, uh, conversations that, in my opinion, are are so very much needed, and more importantly, the actions that we need to take, you know, in order, you know, for everybody to have a better understanding as to you know, how can we have these conversations, you know, much more fluidly uh, and as well, uh, much more comfortable. So that way, everybody, you know, can have, you know, can have the opportunity, you know, to um, to basically live the life that they want to, uh, you know, without any hesitations. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I think I have a hot take. Um, I'm not going to give the NFL a props for that statement. Goodell's statement was, to me, it was just so... It, the statement read. Oh, wait. Let me go. Let me go back and read the statement because I, I I want everyone to to don't think I'm just paraphrasing. Please do go on ahead because I thought when you know when the statement I you know here's the thing I give props for the NFL for actually coming out with the statement, but I do not agree with the fact that the the actual articulation and overall structure of it like. If you start reading it more in depth, I thought it was generic at best. They could have really, you know, 
really have taken it to the next level and offer way more than what they should have. I mean, you could say it was a good first step, but at this point, it's like the NFL, just like every other, you know, sports team, the industry in general, and as well as all other industries, they're still trying to figure, you know, they're still trying to figure out what is the best way to have real genuine conversations without, at the end of the day, um, insulting their fans, their consumer base, uh, and, 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 and all other avenues, um, you know, that, that could potentially, you know, um, affect their reputation um, and bottom lines. Okay, so let me read the statement and then I actually want to respond to your, your, your response right there. But Goodell said, the NFL family is proud of Carl for courageously sharing his truth today. Representation matters. We share his hope that someday soon, statements like his will no longer be newsworthy as we march towards full equality for the LGBTQ plus community. We wish Carl the best of luck this coming season. I mean, that was like bare minimum. He had to say that. But my issue with that is the NFL kind of represents the opposite of the of rights for the LGBTQ plus community. Mm. And I feel like Goodell really could have, he would have alienated the base of the NFL, really could take a step forward and say, you know, and we will we will look internally to 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 squash homophobia that can sometimes yeah. represent our community. Things like that, that actually matters because the NFL has done a terrible job. They treated Michael Sam terribly as a yeah. whole. Like, of course, they didn't come out and call Michael Sam's, you know, uh, homophobic uh, epithets, but his, from the different owners, he was treated very terribly in his coming out. So this one, this one is very hollow because, yes, Goodell is a commissioner and he said this, uh, he said this uh, as a great step because the NFL is basically just the NFL commission is basically just a PR role. But as we know, there are 32 NFL teams, 32 owners. Are the owners going to step up and do something about LGBTQ plus rights? Cause that's where it really matters. We saw that breakdown with, with um, Colin Kaepernick and the whole uh, Mark, the, uh, the protesting of the flag, yeah. of the national the anthem. Yeah. The, the NFL supported Colin Kaepernick, but 32 owners secretly did not support him. So I want to see more statements with the owner saying that, you know, as a whole, we will ensure that gay players are protected when they do come out. Because now it just says we wish him well, but for another gay player who may be in the closet in the NFL, those words aren't very strong language for me where I would feel protected if I came out in the NFL. I think and- it's cut. No, go ahead. No, no, I'm I'm sorry about that, uh, Corey. But I think it's kind of pointed what you just mentioned there, because I can't help but wonder, you know, the NFL, just like MLB, NBA, uh, the NHL, uh, and every other uh, major sports league, you know, there's always like a sense of masculinity. You know, when you look at these players and think about all of these sports, it's like the prime definition of it. But as society continues to evolve uh, and we start seeing a much more um, a much more clearer definition as to what masculinity is supposed to be, um, you know, these types of conversations do need to be discussed. Um, I, I definitely also agree that, you know, the progress has been so painfully slow. And as you mentioned, you know, the message that Goodell offered was, was was hollow. I mean, to admit, at least they, you know, they took the first step in actually admitting their support, but they could have done so much more. And that's where the education is going to have to come in. But also it's the level of comfort. Do these, you know, do these sports leagues, these teams in general, as well as the owners. And again, this, you want to expand it to a much broader perspective. 
all the industries in general, do they act, do they, do they genuinely care and, and, and want to offer their time, their efforts and their presence to talk about not only LGBTQ uh, rights, but, but also offering the, the actionable steps you know, whether whether it's through support through supporting these activists and these organizations, uh, supporting public policies, you know, that could benefit the LGBTQ plus community, all of, and, and many more, uh, in order, you know, to be those true allies uh, in, in the fight uh, against um, uh, against equal justice. Because currently, as we're seeing right now in this current environment, there has been an erosion. Of LGBTQ rights, think, uh, we're starting to see those being pushed back uh, on the political uh, spectrum. I agree, and and, and I actually do want to just, just take a step back, and this kind of goes to another topic I know we were discussing mm-hmm. offline about just brands' responsibilities to uh, representation LGBTQ plus matters. Because you were saying earlier that you know the NFL, when they made this statement, they had to keep in mind their fan base and their corporate sponsors mm-hmm. and, and they don't want to alienate uh, certain fans. So what should be the responsibility of corporations? So corporations really only be responsible for making money and doing what's best for their fans? Because that's the case. I mean, I don't want to stereotype, but I pretty sure the large NFL base are, aren't the most uh, LGBTQ plus friendly. So, uh... so technically... So technically, the NFL coming out and not saying anything will probably do more for their bottom line dollars than, than actually making a statement. So what should corporations really look at? Should they be looking at, and this is not, just, it's just not the NFL, this is all corporations. Should they fo- put their focus on LGBTQ plus rights and doing right in the world, or should it just be about making money? Well, uh, two things uh, to point out. So first, I know for Major League Baseball, the New York Yankees, uh, do a um, do a scholarship initiative honoring uh, five uh, five uh, young people, uh, one in each borough, uh, in support for you know for their advocacy uh, towards LGBTQ rights, and they do that. Uh, I think it might be the third uh, might be the third or the fourth year they have done it uh, for this particular in- initiative. But I, that is one, you know, that is one way, um, you know, that the Yankees, you know, have done um, when it when it comes to this discussion. Uh, but in all honesty, you know, to go to, you know, to answer the second question, I think it's, it's, it's going to come down to education and what do they feel most comfortable? Because there definitely are plenty of avenues where brands can actually step up to the plate and actually figure out where you know, from, you know, from their perspective, do they best fit and how does it align to their mission and values? So as we're seeing the, the, you know, the rise of advocacy communications, brands need to have a much more clear cut standing as to what they represent and what they stand for, get the education that they need, and then be the thought leaders slash experts in leading uh, those conversations. So it could, you know, it can very well be different. There, there could be definitely our organizations who do put their support behind these nonprofits, organizations, collaborate, you know, collaborations, or do they, you know, or do they go uh, and support important public policies, you know, that do affect the livelihoods of, of LGBTQ um, individuals. Uh, so I, and so I think also another thing that I have taken, you know, that I've taken notice during uh, during Pride Month was you saw so many brands 
who put up all of these rainbow logos to show solidarity. Uh, but yet, um, a lot of these activists are saying that this is hollow in a sense that instead of, you know, them putting up a simple logo, what are they actually doing, again, from an action standpoint, you know, to, you know, to ensure that they're actually, you know, bringing all of these important issues to light. And so, and so again, it, and the, uh, this particular topic, as well as every other uh, social justice movement that has occurred within the last year or so, people are looking for real action, you know, for real action, uh, you know, uh, uh, sometimes in a decisive matter or, or, or at the pace of the organization. But um, I, I think it's going to be, you know, I think it's going to be pretty interesting to see, you know, just how genuine and how quickly do, do these brands want to learn uh, about all this, um, uh, and have a, you know, and have a better understanding as to, uh, as to where they stand, uh, you know, with these issues. I agree. And with that, I have, we have to put a button on this topic. I can't believe that those 15 minutes just went by super fast and we can go on and on about this topic. But as you know, this intermission series is, is intermission is, is brief. It is freestyle. But it is 15 minutes long, so we, we definitely have to, like I said, put a pin and move the topic on to our social medias. Yes, absolutely. And again, uh, Corey, I think, you know, this little freestyle uh, battle uh, w- was definitely one that can generate conversations. And please, we definitely want to move it forward over to social media. Uh, if you can, uh, if you want to comment further about uh, our episode, LGBTQ, please uh, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Marketer Pitch. Uh, and also comment below once the episode premieres on Spotify and on YouTube and email us at marketerpitch at gmail.com. So there are plenty of avenues for you to offer your two cents. We definitely want to hear from you. Yes, please. Uh, please just let us know uh, on Twitter. We'll definitely respond. Or if you just want to email us as well, just let us know. Um, but besides that, any final thoughts before we let the listeners uh, continue on the third day? Uh, well, I will say this, uh, my friends. Shall we reveal episode number three? Because this particular topic, I think we are going to have a lot of fun and relevant points to be made. Yes, so... Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> Episode three coming out at the end of the month is our freestyle intermission series is all about the Olympics or the the lack of Olympics, potentially, if it does get canceled. But <laughs> we're talking about the Olympics. We know there's so much controversial going on right now with Shakara Richardson and testing positive for marijuana uh, and not competing in Tokyo. Uh, mm-hmm. We know that the Tokyo is going through right now as of July, where if you're listening to this in July, they're going through a COVID emergency where things are sh- starting to shut back down because mm-hmm. of the Delta variant. Oh, yes. Uh, the IOC just announced that no spectators allowed in, in during the Olympics. Um, and there's plenty more. There's plenty more. Um, I know there's a controversy of with uh, women are not allowed to wear hair caps. Or mm-hmm. um, for swimming, there's That's so many true. different, so many different controversies going on. We're going to get into it, and we're going to battle back and forth on it. Oh yeah, there is no doubt about it. Uh, it is an Olympic sides episode. Don't miss it. Episode three of Marketer Pitch, uh, freestyle the Olympics or lack thereof, if it does decide to proceed forward. So tune into that. Thank you everybody so much for tuning into episode two. We hope you have a 
you hope you we have you guys all have a wonderful time listening to it and again please share your thoughts uh, we, we definitely you know want to hear from you Corey um, I guess we can wrap this up officially please follow us uh, throughout our social media channels uh, episode two will be will be coming out uh, within the next few days uh, and we will see you live uh, uh, for episode number three yes you guys definitely you guys all have a, a safe and a blessed day and a blessed week. And we'll talk to you guys then. Goodbye. Till then. Hey, uh, Marketer Pitch, the podcast, season finale, episode recording, volume 24, a.k.a. episode 12. We are counting it down. Corey, take it away. All right. Episode, last episode of season two. Oh, my gosh. So weird saying that. Yeah. All right. And five, four, Three, two, and one. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the season finale of Marketer Pitch, the news and trends podcast from Vantage Black and Brown Perspective. I'm Yesenia Reynoso, one half of the squad. And to the opposite end is my good friend, partner, and marketing guru himself, Corey Davis. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the season finale. And I would say... We save the best for last, and I'm probably jumping the gun, Yesenia. So she's hoping she's going to say it, but we are finally together in person, recording. I know it's been a long pandemic, but I'm glad we can actually, for the season finale, bring this to you together as a live podcast. It is so appropriate that we, both Corey and myself, have reunited for our very first live in-person podcast recording of Market Our Pitch, our first one, and hopefully more coming up in the future and i can't think of a better episode for us to reunite and to talk in person than the season finale and corey this has been a very fun and interesting journey uh for the marketer pitch family hello welcome uh it has you know just looking back at 12 volumes now 24 in total um plus the animation series, which we will uh, reveal some big news about that momentarily, but it has been such an extraordinary ride. It has, and we've had some very, very great discussions, topics, even some disagreements with our recording. Um, so again, uh, like I always recommend, if this is your first episode of Listening In, please try to listen to the previous 11 <laughs> episodes of season two. Uh, we had some really great content. We talked about everything from sports, Super Bowl, the Olympics, of course, racism, because uh, that's everything <laughs> where our, our world is set up. Uh, and then even some great marketing and, and, and PR um, trending topics at the time. So please check it out. Yes, absolutely. You will uh, you will have plenty of time to catch up with this episode, all 11 volumes, plus the 11 of uh, the 12 volumes i should say of season one which is available across all major podcasting mediums and our youtube channel you can also hear the entire marketed marketer pitch collection including the intermission series uh thursday mornings on the helium radio network and of course um if you have not done so I highly suggest, no, it is imperative you hit those subscribe buttons to not miss a single update on the Marketer Pitch uh, universe. We got so many surprises coming up in the pipeline for you. Uh, I cannot even begin to, you know, to tell because it is so incredibly big. So if you haven't done so, hit those subscribe buttons. If you have a question or a comment or anything in general, we want to hear your feedback. Email us at marketerpitch at gmail.com. 
and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Marketer Pitch because again, we're going to be revealing some major news uh, regarding the intermission series and as well as the next season of Marketer Pitch down the road. So, Corey, before we dive into this all-important jumbo size episode, we have some news to tell our audience. Do you want to reveal that? I'll let you do the honor to the host, so it makes it's not to spoil it for you. Oh boy, I absolutely love revealing surprises. It's, it's the storyteller in me. <laughs> well, anyway, we are so thrilled to announce that in late June, the intermission series Market or Fit pitch freestyle will be making its grand return this summer for an approximate three to five episode run the intermission series unfiltered unlimited uncensored will be back for year number two and it is going to be a a marketing pr hip-hop style battle so don't miss it if you are if you are interested in li in listening to year one uh, it is available exclusively on spotify and youtube and ironically enough that is where the series is going to live so if you want to catch the entire intermission series year one and year two coming up in june please subscribe to spotify and youtube because that is where the series will be airing exclusively on corey how exciting this is the return of our ultra favorite uh hip-hop style show yes and we actually want to hear topics from you guys so we want to hear want you guys to message us dm us uh email us and if there's any interesting topics you want us to cover or any debates or any or any or even if you want to maybe lend an audio message to give us a topic to, to speak to the recording, please. Because uh, not only do we have some very interesting surprises coming up for the intermission series, we also want to hear uh, from viewers and listeners about what they're interested in and anything they want us to, to, to debate on. And it doesn't have to be. U.S. focus. I know we have some worldwide listeners. From it could be Germany focused or what's going on in your country across Europe and Asia. We're totally uh, game to to debate on it. So definitely, please stay tuned for the actual premiere date. Uh, we will list that the next few weeks, but it will be coming to your inboxes the end of June. So it'll be a nice Juneteenth surprise. It's gonna be a a summer fill of interesting marketing and PR topics. With that freestyle flares so don't miss it coming this june the intermission series marketer pitch freestyle unfiltered unlimited uncensored year two coming back exclusively on spotify and youtube all right and so with that uh i want to welcome our our listeners from all around the world thank you so much if this is your first time listening to the podcast welcome if this is your second or third or how many times have you hear it? Welcome back. And so we are going to dive right into this jumbo-packed season finale episode. We're going to start it off with our appetizer segment where both Corey and I talk about one specific topic within the PR or marketing industry that has made headwaves. And both he and I are going to offer our respective thoughts. And it is a great little side dish to the major entree segment which we will get to momentarily so corey i will let you do the honors would you please introduce us our topic for our final appetizer segment of season two yes you guys and again uh we developed the appetizer entree and the uh dessert we never have time for dessert uh <laughs> topics because it is a very good way of just organizing 
um, our our topics, and you know we're very excited to just give you guys this appetizer today because it's something that I think we're all thinking about. I think we all have been have been discussing, and that's returning to office. So, uh, as we know, we're two years, two plus years into this pandemic, and majority of companies have started either allowing workers to return in a hybrid capacity. I know some have, have actually returned full time pre like pre pandemic levels. While also a few have have allowed their employees to be 100% remote, but for the most part, we do know majority of employees across multiple industries, finance, advertising, marketing, PR, tech, have issued their employees to come back on a hybrid basis. Apple is one big example where there's a lot of pushback was because Tim Cook, Tim, uh, Tim Cook, excuse me, back in April, who's Apple CEO, if you did, if you did not know that, announced that. Uh, currently, the Apple employees need to go back to the office two days a week, and then by Memorial Day, it needs to go into it needs to go up to three days a week. This caused major pushback. One, it was a terrible communication plan for Apple employees that should have really gathered feedback and and really rolled this out in a more streamlined way versus just sitting out a press release. But two, a lot of employees actually threatened to quit and said that their mental being and their actual work-life balance is more important than returning back to pre-pandemic levels and working in office. So the topic today we want to discuss is what does this really look like for the future? We're seeing, I know Goldman Sachs um, uh, CEOs very adamant people will be back in the office and we've seen other CEOs make similar sentiments. Uh, Elon Musk, who recently just bought Twitter, which I know we probably will discuss a little later. He also has started issuing saying a lot of employees need to start coming back to the office and doing more things. So just discussing with you, Yesenia, we were talking a little earlier before the podcast is at what level is will employees win out versus employers win out? Because I don't see employers standing their ground and standing back on employees not coming into the office. And will employees either quit or do what they get with the times? So it's a very interesting thing that's going on. Me personally, my my office is two days a week, uh, on average two days a week, mm-hmm. um, and I actually, and I like that. I'm a big fan of hybrid model, but I also understand that everyone can really do that, and some people work better fully remote. Mm-hmm. So I think it really should be case by case basis. But from a communication standpoint, how should employers really be rolling this out? Because you don't want to start impacting your perception and your branding mm-hmm. and not getting great talent because of your short-sighted decision. We are witnessing right now in real time the complete transformation of the corporate office environment. Beforehand, we used to be accustomed to the 40-hour work week, uh, nine to five, five days a week in the office. But ever since the COVID-19 pandemic hit, the entire mantra of how we view office life has changed forever. I think there is no doubt about it. We are witnessing in real time the emergence of a new corporate office model, which is the remote hybrid model. More employees have started to realize that their entire world cannot be surrounded by work. And so many employees feel feel productive if they are working at home. There are also some employees who feel that they are productive in the office and it's true there are some pros and cons as to how employers are going to be rolling out this kind of 
structure. And we still don't know exactly how that structure is going to pan out. We're learning about it. But what has become abundantly clear is that the nine to five is gone. The, the old office model is no more. I think companies now are going to have to start getting accustomed to the fact that the remote hybrid model is here to stay. So do you, and this coming from an employer's perspective, the fear is we're, we are, we are, the more remote we go, the harder it is to train junior level staff of the tools that we've learned. So how, how can somebody, a PR professional or a marketing professional or executive really, uh, really train or really mentor to junior, to junior people on their team if they don't have that in-office interaction. And that is my only fear about situation being 100% remote or working in a remote situation is because, you know, I worked my first five years of my career. I had examples. I was able to see higher level executives. Mm-hmm. I was able to see, yep. uh, interact with different people because I was in the office. And I took opportunities and I raised my hand more because I was in the office. Our, are staff really getting that? Will they? Do you think workload will start being impacted? Not now, maybe four or five years from now, when you're going to start seeing a group of people who never uh, operated in that capacity. It's not. Um, it's it's understandable the employer's fear because perhaps maybe employees feel if I'm going to be working remotely versus you know some members of my team or just about all of my team, my my, my fellow coworkers uh, are going to be in the office often and I'm not. You know, what if there are going to be some opportunities uh, that are going to be passing by uh, in front of me? Any professional development uh, initiatives that I want to focus on? Uh, Mm -hmm. Is there going to be some favoritism played towards if maybe senior executives could be leaning more towards uh, a certain individual who is here in the office more frequently uh, versus somebody who is uh, remotely? There is also... um, there is also the chance that this could affect talent management and or recruitment as mm-hmm. well because um, because of the rise of video conf- uh, communications platforms such as Zoom, Microsoft Teams, Google Me, which has already been established, but now because of the, the, pandemic, the pandemic, I should say, it has further um, uh, uh, um, expanded uh, itself. Uh, many, um, many candidates and including the employers themselves are going to have to figure out a different type of synergy as to how they are able to do different types of communications. And I think that is, you know, from a communication standpoint, the importance of internal communications is now more relevant than ever because now for both communications, uh, communications team members, they got to work extensively with HR. They got to work with the senior executives. They got to work with IT. They got to work with legal. And they got to work with finance on developing brand new synergy type platforms. New communications mediums to keep employees from across all across the across all the world, whether it's domestically or internationally, they got to come up with uh, with ways as to how to keep their employees fully relevant and productive in today's times, whether it's formation of newsletters, a much more wider intranet, uh, in person or or a hybrid combo or remote uh, programming, whether it's town halls, fireside chats, um, pro, uh, workshops and panels. Uh, you know, that can be broadcast simultaneously both in person mm-hmm. 
and remotely though and also messaging that is going to um you know that's going to further connect with employees because let's just again let's just be honest right now employees are looking for something new they're looking for companies who are willing to put the remote hybrid model first employees are not going to sit around and be forced to come in uh by their employers um to come to to work in this old traditional status quo type uh work model because if not they're going to leave yeah, they, and they and they're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. Elon Musk actually said, which I think is very short sighted. He mm-hmm. said, "Well, Twitter's going to be changing, and if these employees don't like it, they can quit." Yep. As what we just seen the, for March twenty twenty one, or to this year, March twenty twenty two, the Great Resignation is a continuous thing. Employers are yeah. actually c- calling their bluff and quitting. They're quitting. Yes. Before you know, three four years ago, if uh, employer said do this or else employer employee would get in line today they're quitting they're saying i don't need to do this it yeah it is right now a job seekers market the employers no longer have control anymore it's the candidates they now have control and they are going to look for employers who are 100 percent set in adopting the new model they're not going to sit around and work for employers who are again death set in maintaining the status quo just look at airbnb for example they recently announced a policy where candidates both new and their current staff can work remotely from anywhere in the world. Anywhere. And they're going to get paid the way that they should, unlimited PTO, and many other benefits and perks. And did you know that their career page went up, uh, candidates going into the career page, went up, their, their views was 800,000. Wow. 800,000. So that tells you right there that model is the future. Agreed. If employers are not willing Agreed. to make these changes, whether they like it or not, this is the way that it's going. And if you're not going to adjust to today's market or environment, you're going to get left behind and the best of the best in terms of talent are going to go gone. elsewhere. Agreed. Yeah. And so, uh, Corey, do we have uh, anything else uh, before we wrap up this appetizer segment? No. Like, like you said, how we just to end on that note, it's, which is like a wait and see mode. We'll see how a lot of these employees, so Apple and Twitter, the two big ones. Um, we'll see how the summer goes, and maybe we'll bring this up later as an emission series mm-hmm. as an update. But we'll see if employees really start leaving these companies because of their decisions. All this is going to be a very interesting story as it continues to unfold. And with that, that officially wraps up the appetizer segment for our season finale. And now we move on to the double jumbo app entree course. We could add a little dab of dessert towards the end, but we'll see time-wise. But we got some two very important topics um, in the entree segment that we're going to be discussing. And the entree segment focuses on two major, uh, major headlines that, uh, you know, that has been buzzing across the marketing and PR spectrums. And both Corey and I are going to offer our two cents on it. And boy, Corey, these two topics that we have are so relevant, so timely, and so impactful that still it um you just still can't believe this is actually happening and we're gonna start with the first major jumbo size uh entree segment and then it's gonna center it's gonna focus on roe v wade everybody now knows it everybody has now seen it if you have been living under a rock uh, about a week, uh, about a week, week and a half ago, uh, a draft uh, of a Supreme Court memo uh, memo came out from uh, uh, Justice Samuel Alito 
that basically uh, stated that uh, the Supreme the the Supreme Court ha is planning on overturning Roe v. Wade uh, and the Planned Parenthood versus Casey case. Two of them, two landmark uh, cases for women's reproductive rights, are about to be stashed, aka disappeared uh, from under our noses uh, after almost a 50-year um, existence. And Corey. I cannot even begin to tell you as a woman and a person of color how troubling this is. This decision single-handedly has forever altered the, the fundamentals, uh, the, the fundamental structure of our country. This is now truly going to, you know, this is truly going to impact all women across lines, doesn't matter where you're from, and it's going to impact uh, every woman immediately and there's going to be catastrophic consequences. But from a marketing and PR uh, standpoint, we have seen brands uh, really um, uh, either being defiant in supporting female employees, uh, stating that they will support, uh, you know, uh, pro-choice, um, their stances on abortion to others who are tiptoeing, trying to be as conservative as possible, and of course, others who are pro-life or pro-birth in my case but again that's my preference since everybody's viewpoints are different um and how they have basically been waiting 35 plus years for this moment um and so um there was also a report um from uh, you know from ad age where pub where the large um a uh, advertising and pr firms publicists and wipg uh have decided that they're going to pay their female employees their out of travel costs uh, in case if they want to go obtain an abortion or to pay for any kind of reproductive uh, uh, cost. Uh, but Corey, I want to bring the uh, bring you in, into the loop because this is, again, this is a, a story. It may be politics or societal based, but it has officially, uh, uh, it has officially moved on to marketing and PR circles. And again, this has tremendous ramifications from an advertising standpoint as to how do we uh, talk about women's reproductive rights, the messaging, how does it go moving forward, and the entire landscape in general as to how do we view not only women's rights, but other important societal issues such as LGBTQ rights, uh, interracial marriage, uh, and many other relevant ones that what's, what many people once thought were, um, were solidified now are very much under threat. Yeah. And well, to start out, thank you for passing the baton to me. And I will say, like, I appreciate you passing the baton to me, and I'll, and I'll talk about it. But overall, like, uh, you should not be listening to my opinion. And I think that's the problem with this country is men should not be involved in women's reproductive rights. We should not be making a decision. We should be listening to what majority of women want. We should listen to what women's concerns are. And we should be acting on their decisions versus making decisions on their behalf. What we're seeing... Uh, thanks to the Supreme Court justices and then also the state legislatures mm -hmm. across the country who yep. are going to pass anti-abortion um, anti laws. laws. Yep. So with that said, uh, I do think this law is very disgusting. It, and it's very sad that we're living in a time where we, we like our parents, are going to have more rights than we have. Yeah, that's we're, very sad. We're going backwards. And this is kind of similar. If you're, I'm a big history buff. If you look at Egypt and Iran in the 70s, they were more, much more free. Women were much more free in these in these areas. And in, over the last 
40, 50 years as religious law took over and religious rule took over, a lot of their rights that they've had 40, 50 years ago was, were rescinded. Mm -hmm. And I fear that while we may not be as extreme as those countries, we are heading towards extremism with, with going down for rights. So that's my fear. Now, talking about the response to this, I'm going to take a little bit of a different um, opinion from Yesenia because I was actually, I've actually been shocked about the level of silence when it comes to brands. I thought brands, even brands that are, you know, women focused um, or women yeah. targeted, I thought I would see a lot more hoopla mm -hmm. from brands, yeah, even from other, I agree. even as being in the advertising industry, yeah. even from other agencies about what's going on and, and their yeah. stance on the law. But their silence is deafening. They had an opinion about Ukraine. We had an opinion about Black Lives yeah. Matter. Had an opinion about every single thing, even politics, even even the yeah. the insurrection. There was opinion about every single thing, but this issue is quiet. And I think it's their fear of of, of pissing off a subset of of, of a of, of women or just people who maybe are pro life or maybe believe in um, not maybe not believe in abortion. But the problem is when you have an opinion and you. And you say that in your messages you want to stand up for what's right. This is an easy time to stand up for what's right, and your silence is showing. And there's not a single. It, it, please email me, correct me if I'm wrong, but I've yet to see a single big uh, Fortune 500 company have a targeted response to this. And do you know what's uh, you know what's the saddest thing of them all, Corey? With all of this, is on top of the fact that these brands, especially the women-led or women-driven brands, that have not stepped up to the plate when it comes to talking about abortion, we're also starting to see politicians also um, also offering their stance on contraception and the potential possibility of them going of eliminating that as well. And so um, it's really it's really deafening to see, you know, just how, um, you know, just how um, silent uh, these brands have been when it comes to talking about women's reproductive rights issues. Um, again, as a, you know, as a as someone who um, who is again my personal preference, I am pro-choice. Uh, I do believe 100% that it is the woman and the woman's responsibility of her own whatever. She should have full autonomy over her body and she should decide along with her doctor or any kind of medic or, or her medical fac or facility to ultimately decide as to what she wants to do uh, when it comes to when it comes to her health and reproduction. So there is no reason whatsoever that a man should be making those decisions on behalf of a woman. Does a man know how you know a woman's reproductive system works? No. That's none of his business. Mm -hmm. And I cannot stand the fact that these men are trying to once again implement their will and control over women. It's really astounding to me when, and, and, I, and again, I find this so laughable, all of these anti-abortion laws that are coming up across the country, do you see women involved in those discussions? Do, do they obtain feedback from not only, you know, their fellow female colleagues, but also doctors, uh, women who have, experience, who have experience with abortion or any kind of uh, pregnancy difficulties? Do you see them, uh, you know, seeking, you know, seeking advice or suggestions, you know, regarding these issues? No. And, you know, and that to me, you know, makes it all the more befuddling. Uh, again, as a woman, this angers me. Again, 
I know I've been repeating that word uh, numerous times during this segment, but everybody has their positions uh, regarding abo abortion, and this is such a very sensitive topic. But how is it going to be moved forward from a communication standpoint? I think we are going to be seeing a lot of tiptoeing. Because again, because the environment is so incredibly toxic, many you know many brands just don't want to anger their base, whether it's a small consumption or a large majority. But I also think this is also the prime opportunity for not only for brands, but for prominent female activists, individuals yes. who are well known in both the marketing and communication fields to step up to the plate and actually make their voices heard. Again. This in, this entire environment where we deal with this cancel cultural crap mm -hmm. and not being able to have a different opinion because again if you don't align with what the with what the the messaging comes from the you know from the majority aka the establishment you're gonna get censored you're going to get silenced your reputation and your career gets destroyed I'm tired of that it is now time for people to raise their voice and be able to tell the truth. Tell it head on, whether you like it or not, because we cannot continue to sit complicit. We cannot continue to see, you know, our rights and as well as other societal rights continue to go under the rug because we don't have the guts to stand up to whoever's in control and say, no, enough is enough. We and and, and, and this is going to be an interesting, you know, again, this is only the beginning. Because when we start putting, as we focus more towards the end of the year, towards the midterms now, there's for politicians and for anybody who works in the public affairs or government sector, there's no running anymore. You will now have to give a clear, defiant stance exactly. as to whether or as to whether or not you are you are in support of abortion or you are against it. And that is, uh, you know, and that is scaring all of those individuals who work in that industry. For many, crisis communications and also um, public affairs um, agencies and or organizations. Um, they're now going to have, they must now have no choice, but they're going to have to create a clear defining path as to where they stand, where are their mission and values, and how, the, and how are they going to uh, be part of the fight towards uh, reproductive rights, or are they on the opposite end of the spectrum? And so a lot of the, you know, there's going to be a lot of battle lines drawn, uh, and there's going to be a lot of, the, there's going to be a lot of anger uh, coming with uh, within the next several months, but this you know this is a topic that is certainly not going to go away. Again, this is this is going to fundamentally alter mm -hmm. the perception of our country. It is forever going to change the ways to how we view uh, women rights, uh, and this could have again catastrophic consequences not only uh, for women across this country, and it, again it's incredibly it, uh, it's incredibly sad because. There's so many other countries. Uh, last night I was actually watching last week tonight with John Oliver, and one of his two major topics was about the was about abortion, and he talked about how other countries, other major developing countries, including countries like in Ireland, Colombia, Mexico, they have expanded abortion rights. Yep. They have expanded on women's reproductive uh, rights. And what in the world is the United States doing? It's it's going behind. Mm -hmm. Why? Like, has, you know, has this country sincerely lost its mind? And please, apologies if this is the first time that I'm actually, like, rebelling here. But it, it, it really shows the stupidity and the ignorance of how people behave. And we let, and you know what, part of the blame goes to, you know, goes, uh, goes to us. Because we were not, because we did not have the balls 
to hold our politicians accountable. The Republicans obviously deserve the blame uh, because um, they're they're lost. They're gone. I I, I see no hope. And again, um, this is a you know we'll talk about them at another time before I get angry. But also the blame goes to the Democrats too, because they had an opportunity to codify Roe v. Wade within since that Supreme Court ruling in 1973. They had plenty of opportunities, you know, to codify. And there's also a bill called, I think it's called the Women's uh, Reproductive Act. Please correct me if I'm wrong. That is currently sitting right now in Congress with 48 senators approved and in support of that bill. They could eliminate the filibuster right now and they could pass that, you know, that act that you know that solidifies abortion and also solidifies women's rights they could codify roe v wade if they wanted to but they're not doing it it's not be, it, it, and it's because they don't want to and what that shows me again as a communications professional and that's going to be you know a heartbreaking pill to swallow a heartbreaking pill to swallow is that they do not care about americans they do not care about women they do not care. I don't care if you're pro-choice or pro-life. You don't care about women's rights. You only care about control. Uh, and that is a heartbreaking part. Like, if I was working in communications, how can I represent an organization who is completely against, you know, as a woman, giving her the right to choose, or if she is pro-life or pro-birth, so be it. Uh, but as an American, you know, living in this country, I'm angry. Flat out. I'm beyond angry, beyond furious at this point. And we just need more activists and more people even speaking to the point like like you just did and expressing that anger and expressing that that is beyond just people on on the street how much the impact that this country is going to have so you know definitely thank you for thank you for for that because I feel like our listeners are 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 going to be impacted by by your words because you've said it so elo- eloquently. Thank you, Corey. And again, this this issue is not over. Uh, this is only beginning, and we are definitely going to be keeping a very close eye on this because, again, it fundamentally changes the way, the perception of the country overall. Uh, and we're definitely going to continue talking about this as well as other important societal issues um, within the within the future episodes. So, from one major uh, jumbo segment, we now move on to the other uh, news. Before Roe v. Wade uh, made the head waves, we're going to talk about Twitter. And uh, again, the major news is that um, Tesla CEO Elon Musk has bought Twitter for approximately forty-five billion. Again, if I am not correct with the numbers, please correct. Forty-five billion. Forty-five billion. Thank you, Corey. Forty-five billion dollars after a contentious shareholders meeting. Uh, Tesla, who uh, Tesla CEO Elon Musk who has already stated the reasoning as to why he bought Twitter, which was to uh, better promote freedom of speech and in his eyes perhaps maybe to stop the censorship uh, rings that have been occurring within Twitter. Because let's be honest, Twitter, as well as every other major big tech, have been censoring uh, individuals, especially those among both either if you're either the far red, far left or far right, um, or progressive or ultra conservative, I should say. So I'll, I'll word it uh, much better. Uh, but we have been seeing censorship running, uh, you know, 
picking up steam and it's it's definite uh, definite alarm for concern since again the environment has been so incredibly toxic and it's become a tremendously narrative based misinformation disinformation has been spreading spreading like wildfire but Corey, uh let's bring you into the loop what are your thoughts about musk buying twitter and what does the you know what does the future hold for the platform and as well as uh social media um um as a whole so for me my thoughts are uh they're very short when it comes to Elon Musk buying Twitter because I think a lot of the hoopla that was made where there's people, it, like everything, my biggest issue was every single issue has to go back to politics, right versus left. Every single mm-hmm. issue. There, a, I, a billionaire purchasing, doing billionaire things became a, an issue. So something that the right celebrates because they, for some reason, yeah. they feel like Elon Musk is a champion of right-wing things. When he actually, if you look at his past, he's actually not. He's actually um, just a narcissist who just, mm-hmm. he flows wherever way he's getting attention. And the left thinks that, that Elon Musk is the end of Twitter and it's going to go away. I'm looking at the facts. I was like, he's going to, he bought something, doing billionaire thing. Like, at, at a certain point, my, I do have an issues with with him being a billionaire and buying these things, but has nothing to do with his politics. I have the same issue with Jeff Bezos also own Washington Post mm-hmm. and the widening I've, I'm seeing of billionaires actually taking control and ownership of certain things. But the, here's the facts is he bought Twitter and he either he'll make Twitter a great platform and people will continue to use, or he'll run Twitter to the ground and people will go on to the next social media co- company. And that's really it. I'm not going to sit here, as, as you seen, you just said, and, and, I, and I really, it's great that we're doing this topic second, is because we just sat here and had a great debate about Roe v. Wade, things that actually matter in this country. Mm-hmm. Why should I care about a billionaire buying Twitter mm-hmm, absolutely. on a social platform that has nothing to do with his life? These yeah. are people who, are, who could die because of the Roe v. Wade situation. Yeah. I'm not going to sit here and debate the Twitter situation. So that's my, that's my big opinion of it. It's, it may be a great thing or maybe a bad thing, but that's not important. And the, these issues in this company, in this country, is we like to focus on put energy on things that don't matter. Yeah. But we should focus on things that do matter. Mm-hmm. I think uh, regarding this news, uh, this is not a surprise news because to me, this is like you said, this is another billionaire trying to buy a media company for his uh, for his preferences. I guess this is um, this is his way to try to shape shift the narrative into his favor, and perhaps he might be utilizing Twitter as his platform so he could uh, relay uh, a heavy message of his narrative to try to combat the amount of what he thinks is misinformation, disinformation. But in my opinion, the you know the cancel culture hoopla and the red you know the red versus blue let's be honest there is no blue here the real blue is on life support or dead red or magenta uh, it's yes red or magenta or light red versus red it's red <laughs> just, just, just let's just get over let's just get over the facts it's red versus red i'm sorry conservatives and liberals you guys are the same uh the same variations of 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 the same coin sorry um but anyway I, I truly think from a communication standpoint, this is the same billionaire that completely eliminated his PR department, mm-hmm. um, Tesla, because he found them irrelevant. Mm-hmm. I will not be surprised if he decides to pull that similar move with Twitter because this man has no high regard over PR. He doesn't care about messaging. He doesn't care about communication strategy. He doesn't care about anything that revolves around the corporate communications umbrella. He wants, if there's one thing that Elon Musk wants to do, he wants to control the narrative. Mm-hmm. He wants to control the messaging and he wants to get 
his version of the news out whatever way possible through whatever medium means necessary and i you know and i simply believe that this is just another avenue for Elon Musk, just like with every other billionaire you said yourself with jeff bezos and with basically the the rest of the the billionaire ceos who control our six major media networks just how condensed it is the billionaires control uh, you know control every single major mainstream outlet whether it's print digital or social media they control everything so that means all of the news that you're seeing and hearing is coming from their perspective and that's what they care about it's about controlling the narrative and you know when it comes to pr how incredibly vital that is to control perceptions and narratives on people that is their job and if they you and they, and if they use those platforms in the in in the negative way it could bring devastating consequences and we're seeing that right now because there is such an overflow of misinformation disinformation a lot of propaganda that has been un unleashed throughout the corporate mainstream media why do you think no no one in the general public trusts the mainstream media anymore exactly because they lie point blank and uh and again i will not be surprised if Elon musk utilizes twitter to his own advantage to squash his critics silence them and perhaps maybe open the door for people who either accept his ideology or his narrative and roam free to do whatever they see which and that is very bad news uh for the communications industry because at a time right now where pr folks and perhaps maybe marketing of um at folks could also be dealing with this as well at a time where credibility has taken such a big hit where no, where the general public just simply is not trusting anybody that's coming out from from marketing or pr or the mainstream media this is not what is needed. Ethics has been, you know, has been completely been obliterated. The truth no longer matters. Um, and of course, the anything negative spreads and sells six times as much as positive news. It's all about ratings and profits at the end of the day. But it also goes back to, and this is why I'm like, I, I'm not going to be, I'm not going to even entertain the debate. Another day, he, he is a narcissist. He's no different than Kanye West. Mm -hmm. He really just wants to control the narrative That's and just does. wants to yeah. say whatever. So do I actually feel like Elon Musk would take over this company and make waves? No, because he has a potential. He wants, at the end of the day, he wants to make money. Mm -hmm. And he has a potential of alienating people. So I feel like Twitter is going to change very little. Yeah. And, or the flip side, which I'm never a fan of. People are saying, well, complaining, oh, it's a bad thing and I'm going to leave the platform. Don't complain. When I don't like something, I just leave. Yeah. I don't need to announce my decisions. I just leave. Yeah. So if enough people do that, then create another platform. Yep. That's all you have to do. If you don't like it, leave and create your own. Mm -hmm. You said it. You you put well said, my friend. And so with that, that officially wraps up our jumbo size entree segment. And you might have no, you might have noticed that we might have injected a tiny bit of dessert, uh, who, uh, which um, which is really cool because again, I think these two segments have the, uh, both bring their own elements in their own light. Uh, and so it's great that we, you know, that we talked about these two major uh, topics that really have uh, have really made have waves over the last several weeks um, here uh, on both the marketing and PR realms. And so with that, that officially brings us to the end of our season finale, volume 24, a.k.a. episode 12 of Marketer Pitch. Corey, do you have any last words or maybe a quick little memory or two to uh, to wrap up our season? No, I think I just want to thank you again for being an awesome recording partner. Thank you again for uh, 
taking this journey with me. Uh, I like our talks. I hope the listeners enjoy our chats. Um, there's been some interesting, great topics. Uh, everyone knows this world is insane. This world is crazy. And be able to just you know discuss it in a s- space that's very comfortable, inviting, and it's a, safe, it's a safe space. I appreciate it. And I thank all of you guys for continuing to listening to us, continue to support us from around the world. And look for more to come in the animation series. We're going to have some fun. Uh, thank you, my friend. You have been an amazing uh, podcast partner and friend. Thank you so much as well for taking this journey with me. We already have uh, tabulated 24 volumes total, combining season one and season two. And for those who might be asking, well, they talked about the intermission series, but what about the next season, season three? Well, tune into the intermission series to find out what's going to happen with season three of Marketer Pitch. We like to throw in our surprises here and there. So... Uh, tune in uh, to uh, the intermission series marketer pitch freestyle which we'll be making is year two debut in late june exclusively on spotify and youtube and once again if you haven't done so please hit those subscribe buttons and leave a five star review we definitely want to hear your feedback if you like this episode and have any comments or questions or want to comment about our entire season and what kind of topics do you want to talk for us to talk about uh, email us at marketerpitch at gmail.com follow us on social media at uh, marketer pitch on twitter and instagram and finally to access this episode all 11 episodes of season 2 24 volumes um 12 episodes of season 1 that'll be 24 volumes total plus the first three episodes of year one of marketer pitch freestyle it is available for you across all major podcasting mediums youtube uh and uh thursday mornings on the helium network uh, so, uh, Corey, this officially wraps up, uh, season two, uh, and, um, thank you again to our Marketer Pitch family. We absolutely adore you. Thank you again to all of our fan- followers from both the U.S. and international. We will see you in late June for Marketer Pitch Freestyle, the, un- the intermission series, Unfiltered, Unlimited, Uncensored. Take care, everyone. Goodbye, everyone. Bye.